Buy more, save more with a patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Buy three windows, save $500. Buy six, save $1,000. Buy a dozen, save $2,000 by adding a patio door. But only through April 30th. Set your free consultation now at PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. And yes, it will be a full show today. Brewers-Cubs Game 2 of the season has been called off because... Well, kind of look outside, and you'll understand why it's been called off. They were able to get the opening day game in, but um, it's as crummy as it is here, and and it is, in fact, crummy. The the weather forecast is even crummier in in Chicago, and the forecast is for temperatures in the low 30s with 20-mile-an-hour winds, which takes the wind chill down into the teens or lower, and showers and snow all afternoon. So I, I think it's the wise decision. Brewers have called off, the Cubs have called off the game today. It will be made up as part of a day-night doubleheader, which is going to be on May 30th, which is a Monday. That's Memorial Day. So they're going to play a doubleheader on Monday, May 30th. To which my overall comment on this is, get a roof. I mean, seriously, when you think about the, one of the great things about American Family Field, formerly Miller Park, and the foresight of the people that, that built it, and, and part of it was timing, because here in Milwaukee, we got in with that retractable roof at absolutely the right time because just a couple years later, the cost of building a retractable roof went absolutely through through the roof, no pun intended. And what's happened is, as a result of this, you, you, all these, these stadiums that are – even the new stadiums, the one in Minneapolis, the one in Detroit, the, these new stadiums that are being built, they, they can't put retractable roofs on them, even though it makes perfect sense, but because the cost is just so absolutely prohibitive. So – uh, here in Milwaukee, we, we got in at the right time because you know when there's a game scheduled to be played at American Family Field, you know that game is going to occur. And and that's that's big on a lot of re- reasons, especially since the Brewers are a statewide team. So if you're listening to me in Appleton and you've got tickets for the game or, you know, you're Civic Group has bought a bunch of tickets. You know when you come down to Milwaukee that there's going to be a baseball game for you to see. And that is, of course, the beauty of Miller Park, that you're not held hostage to the weather. But in any event, we'll remind people of this over the course of the next hour or two. But the game has been called off. It's been rescheduled on May 30th, Memorial Day, as part of a doubleheader. We're going to have some fun today. I, I just um, There's some serious topics that we'll be working in over the course of the, the next three hours. But actually... There's, there's some kind of, I'm going to describe them as sort of off-kilter topics that we're going to be discussing as well. And, of course, we'll bring back Pop Culture Corner. Big announcement. We've got a we've got a sponsor for Pop Culture Corner, and we're going to be having a giveaway during Pop Culture Corner, which occurs in the 2.30 hour of the program. So very, very cool with that. Let me start by directing your attention to, to my Twitter account. It's at Jeff Wagner 620 if you don't follow me. I, I have a posting today that... Well, let me put it like this. It it's my stupid criminal of the week report because well, let, let me tell you what this guy did first. Now, according to the allegations, I, I as you know if you're a longtime listener to this program, I grew up in Glendale. I grew up about a mile and a half from Bayshore Town Center, formerly Bayshore Shopping Center. Well, here's the allegations. About two weeks ago, 
one night, March 29th, there is an Ace Hardware store that's located on Port Washington Road and Bender Road. And it's been there It's been there forever. I mean, it's been there since I, I lived there as a kid. You can kind of see it from the freeway. And so what happens is place is closed. So late at night, what happens is this the guy pulls up in front of the Ace Hardware store driving a Mini Cooper and they've got him on the store surveillance cameras. And what he does is he takes a big chunk of concrete and he throws it through the glass door of the Ace Hardware store. And then he goes in and he starts to rob the Ace Hardware store. Now, now, first of all, this is all caught on surveillance camera. Stupid criminal move number one. Stupid criminal move number two. With all due respect, what are you going to steal from a hardware store in the middle of the night? I mean, I mean, seriously, it, it's it's not like you're going to get into cash registers and there's going to be cash. What are you going to do? Take a couple cans of paint, maybe a Weber grill and stuff. I mean, you you broke it into this place. So apparently, what he does is he goes in and he goes through and they he takes takes batteries and things like that. So I mean, you get stuff. You get about two thousand bucks, but you're on surveillance cameras. You you've broken through this window into an ace hardware store. And so you've got batteries and paint and that type of stuff. So he steals that. A couple days later, returning to the scene of the crime, he goes up. There's a gas station. There's a mobile gas station about a mile and a half north on Port Washington Road. It's on Port and Green Tree. And it's it's a it's like a little mini mart, you know. It's one of these mobile stations. They they close it overnight, although the gas pumps are open. Guy pulls up and again, chunk of concrete throws it through the window of the little mini-mart there, goes in. Now, let me stop again. If there's, if there's anything more stupid than, than trying to break into an Ace Hardware store, because what are you going to find in the hardware store? It's, it's breaking into a mini-mart like this, because what's in the mini-mart? I mean, so you, you get there. It, it's not like, again, the thing is closed, so there's not going to be any money in the cash register. So what, what are you going to do? Get a couple six-packs of beer, some cartons of cigarettes, a can of STP? I don't know what you're going to end up stealing, but, but he goes in, and, and that's exactly it. He steals some cigarettes, and he steals, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's some of those air fresheners you have. I mean, it's a mini mart, for goodness sake. You can't get any cash at all. So, but that's what he does. Well, stupid criminal motion number three, he's driving his aunt's car. (laughs) The car is registered to the guy's aunt down in Illinois. And of course, this is, again, all caught on the surveillance cameras. So they've got the license plate. So uh, he, he apparently lives in Plymouth. He's driving his aunt's car. So, all right, th- this means sometimes when it comes to the cops, sometimes you got to work really hard to catch criminals. Other times, not not as much because you find, you call up the aunt and you say, oh, who, who's got your, do you own a Mini Cooper? Yes, who's driving it? Well, it's, it's uh, here, here's, it's my, you know, it's my idiot nephew, Matthew. Matthew Sherper is the guy's name. Well, did you give him permission to drive and break a window out of an Ace Hardware store and go in and steal whatever batteries or whatever or steal cartons of cigarettes? No, I didn't. So they go catch him. And, you know, he ends up apparently, at least according to the story on Fox 6, confessing to, to being, you know, one of the world's stupidest criminals, at least for the week. But that's not where I'm really leading with the, the story on, on my Twitter account. On, on Fox 6, they've got a picture of the guy's mugshot. Now, let me just say this up front. Generally speaking, when you pose for a mugshot, it's they, you're not, they're not catching you on your best day, right? I mean, there, there's not too many people that look good 
in mugshots. You know, you're in the orange jumpsuit and things like that. You know, it's a lot of times you haven't slept. It, it's just typically speaking, it's not like you're posing for your high school yearbook. I mean, the, mugshots typically don't catch you at your best. Having said that, having said that, I know you can't judge a book by its cover, but I swear, you look at this guy's picture, he looks exactly like the kind of guy who would chunk, throw a chunk of asphalt through the window of a gas station to steal some cartons of cigarettes. This is, I mean, if, if you had like a list of pictures that were up there and you said, okay, who's the guy that throws the chunk of asphalt through the window of the mini mart and goes in and steals some STP and some air fresheners and some, and some cigarettes or whatever, you trust me on this one. You would pick this guy out. If you want to see it, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But it's kind of like, really, pal? That this is what you're doing? And you're driving your aunt's car. Hmm. Going to be tough to find you doing this. But if you want to see what this week's really, really, really stupid criminal of the week looks like, um, yes, sometimes you can, in fact, judge a book by its cover. When we come back, I want to talk to you about emission testing. Stick around. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, a number of people reacting to the, the, the Twitter post. I mean, I, I mean, seriously, you know, what what kind of criminal breaks into a, a, a closed mini mart where so what are you going to end up stealing? I mean, seriously, some air fresheners, a couple cartons of cigarettes, maybe some cashew nuts, can of STP, couple 12 packs of beer, some candy bars, maybe some cigarette lighters. But the bottom line is you've now committed a felony that's probably going to send you off to prison for several years. Give me a break. A couple people asking, when, when there's iffy weather, do you prepare a whole show? And the answer is, yeah, I, I do. I mean, it's at, at any given time. I always have all sorts of stuff that I have accumulated over the, the the last few weeks so that you could come in and do programs. But, yeah, today, knowing what the weather was looking like, we, we prepared a, a full show, although I have kind of segued a little bit because I want to have a little bit of fun on today's program. A lot of, a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. So I, I don't want to spend the whole program talking about politics and all the horrors going on in, in Ukraine because we spend a lot of time doing that. Anyways, I got – I received – a very, very interesting email from a listener, and I wanted to share it with you because, candidly, this listener expresses something that I, I have felt but, but haven't talked about on the radio. If you live in one of seven counties, and only seven counties, in southeastern Wisconsin, you are required to have your automobile, as a condition of getting it relicensed, you're required to have your vehicle emission tested every other year. I mean, it applies to, I think it's like the, the third model year. So if it's a 2020, I think you got to start the emission testing in 2023. But, but after, after that, it's every other year. You've got to have the emission test. If you will remember, when emission testing first came to this state, there were giant emission test centers 
that were set up. For example, the one that I always used to go to was down um, kind of by the Potawatomi Casino, you know, and it was run by, I think, a private company, but under the auspices of the DMV. And what you would do is you would get off on Canal Street, remember, and you drive down there, and they had, it was just this big building. Now it's a brewery, I think. But they had this big building, and you'd get in line, and they'd have like five or six lines, and you'd, you'd go and you'd get your emission test result. They did away with that a couple years ago. And so now what happens, for those of you who have to get your vehicle's emission tested, what you have to do is you have to find a private garage slash auto dealer, whatever, who who will do it. Now, the, the trick is, if you talk to these auto dealers, for example, in the community where I live, there is only one place that you can go to get your car emission tested, at least in the community where I live. Now, overall, there's like about 150 places, including a lot of car dealers that now do it. They didn't do it at first. But it, this emission testing thing, the state reimburses the, the, auto, the auto dealer or the garage or whatever. They pay them almost nothing. It's only a couple bucks. So what happens is the places that agree to do these emission tests, they, they, they essentially do it as a loss leader. By that, I mean they, they do it to kind of get you in because the hope is, hey, you go in, you get your oil change, you know, you go to this emission, you get your emission test, and then when you need your oil changed or you need some mechanical work, you'll come back to them. But it's not, at least in my opinion, anywhere near as easy as it was before where you had the giant emission testing things, which brings me to the email I received from one of our listeners. Jeff, not sure if you've had to experience this as emission testing on cars comes due every couple years, but it is an unbelievably painful experience. The issue, of course, is that the government has moved emissions testing from the specific facilities to auto repair shops. These auto repair shops make very little doing them. Yeah, it's only a couple bucks. And because of that, less and less auto repair shops decided to get into that business. Now, with fewer places available to do the testing, the shops are crowded and the wait times are often in excess of 90 minutes. People begin getting in line at 7 a.m. with many shops not opening until 8 and not testing until 9 a.m. The shop near me is the is the only one that allows appointments. But basically, it's you get in line at 7 a.m., they'll take your name and number and let you know when they're ready for you, really just holding your place in line. And once 16 slots are taken, they are booked from the, for the day. The model that the government has developed is just not working. I can see more and more shops not doing the work, and this will make the issue even worse. Just more incredible efficiency at the DMV. Thanks for reading. Hope you have an opinion and speak it on your show. I do have an opinion. And as a matter of fact, I agree with everything this particular listener is is saying. Here's the other thing. For emissions testing, I don't have the most recent numbers. I spent about 20 minutes trying to track down the recent numbers. But as a general rule, more than 90% of the vehicles that get emission tested pass. It, it It is rare for a vehicle to fail an emission test. And yet the way this is set up, it, there's an incredible hassle to have to get your car tested. Now, the reason we do this is in part because of the Clean Air Act, et cetera, et cetera. But the listener believes that it's just not working. 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I tend to agree. If we're going to have emission testing and we're going to have this requirement every two years, first of all, I think we really need to start looking at the numbers saying, is the hassle to everybody else worth it? I mean, are we really getting all sorts of polluting cars off the road, or is this just virtue signaling? That's number one. Number two, I do think we need to make this easier. And I'm not saying the other system we had where you had the big DMV things, but at least at that point in time, you, you could pull in 24, you know, what? Not, they weren't open 24-7, but if they're open 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 or whatever it is, you knew you could go down there instead of having to deal with these, these private repair shops, which, by the way, I'm not criticizing at all, but they're not getting reimbursed hardly anything to do this. And so, yeah, at, and the listener is exactly right. For example, at the place the only place in the community where I live in that does it, they have a they have a limit because they've got to have a guy that's running the tests, and when he's running the tests, he's not changing the oil on other people's cars. So they have a limit on the number of cars that they will do in a given day, and once they hit that limit, boom, they're done. And if you, you know, aren't there in time, well, you're out of luck. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. couple people are texting and saying, Jeff, wh- why do they require emission testing on relatively new cars? Um, why don't they just require testing on cars that are like, say, 10 years old or older? How many four-year-old cars fail? And I think that that's, that's kind of a fair question, too. Now, keep in mind, the only people who are subject to having emission testing are if you live in the, the seven counties surrounding southeastern Wisconsin, I guess. One of, our, one of our listeners is saying, that's why I register my car is at my mom's place in East Troy. Well, I'm not encouraging you to do that. 855-616-1620. All right, we're going to take a quick break because I want to make sure we have enough time to get into this topic in full. My point is, I think we need to take a whole look at the emission testing system. First of all, I don't understand why the newer cars need to be tested, number one. Number two, I think if we're going to do this, you need to increase the reimbursement rates so more auto dealers, more repair shops are willing to do this. And three, I think you need to make it a lot more user-friendly. We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think emissions testing is an idea that has outlived its usefulness. Cars are much more efficient today, and hybrid and electric models are much more common. It almost seems as if the government has washed its hands on this particular issue. Well, I look, I, I think there's, there's some really serious questions that you can ask, which is, why are we still doing this in only a seven-county region, and why are you doing it for relatively new cars? I mean, wouldn't it make more sense maybe to say that oh, once a car is 10 years old, you, you need to have it emissions tested or something like that? And then don't we need to make it more convenient? Now, I'm getting texts from people saying, well, I've, I've got this place in my neighborhood and it only takes 15 or 20 minutes or something like that. And that, that's, that's true, I'm sure, for some people. For other people, including the person that texted me, it becomes much more of a project. And you do wonder how much in pollution, what's kind of the net thing if you've got to drive like 10 miles to find a place where you can get your car emission tested. In addition, I, I don't I don't think there's any, I don't think anybody can argue that the way the state is reimbursing the people who do the emissions tests, I think it's like two bucks a car. 
that, that you get. I could be off by a dollar or two, but there, there's no financial incentive for these different places. There's a place right up the street from where I'm sitting now in Shorewood that does it, and you've got to make an appointment, and sometimes they're, they're booked several weeks ahead of time, and they only take X number of cars in a given day. And I understand I'm not faulting the repair shops for doing it because the bottom line is they're not making any money on this thing. They're doing it as a service. Let's start with Brandy in Wauwatosa. Brandy, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing today? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Okay. I've been dealing with this problem for many years now um, with getting the emissions taken. Um, one time you go in and you're fine, and then you wait two years, and within a two-year period, for some reason, your check engine light comes on. So you can't get, you can't get passed unless you get the check engine light repaired for whatever reason it might be happening. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a money-making scheme. Um, you can go in like what I do when my, uh, didn't pass, I disconnected my battery for five minutes, started my car, drove it for a hundred miles, went in and I passed. I went through the oil change the last time and they changed my oil and I said, my check engine lights on. He scanned my computer. He said, drive a hundred miles, go back in and you should pass. So, you know, and there, you know, and when my check engine light does come on, my car runs just fine. It could be something so minimal, yeah. or it could be like something very expensive. So these gas stations that are doing this, I think they have a benefit from this because you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and they go, well, we mm-hmm. can fix your your yeah. your light, you know, but it's going to cost you five hundred dollars. Right now, now, most people they don't have that money. Well, yeah. well right. What, what your what your car are you driving? 2012 Crown Victoria Peace Interceptor. Okay, got it. So it's it's 10 years old. Okay, thanks for calling. And, and by the way, I, I also, I, I don't want any of the part of this conversation to imply that I, I'm suggesting that the, the places that do the emission test manipulate this to make sure it fails because then they got people have to spend money getting it up to date. I, I don't believe that that's the case at all. I mean, it's just if you go in to have this done, they just kind of plug into your your computer and it and it kicks out the, the different results that are there. My only point is I think we're doing this with way too many cars and we're not we're not making it user friendly enough to do that. And if you'd reimburse the dealers more for doing this, if you'd reimburse the repair shops, maybe they'd have more of incentive to, to do this. And I know I'm hearing texts from people saying, well, okay, you know, we, we have this place we go to and it's 15 minutes, etc. And that's great. But there's a lot of people that that's not necessarily the case. But I wonder, is there a real value to this or are we virtue signaling? Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. You know what? I, I think you could bring up a valid point that these newer cars just don't need to be don't need to be tested, and, and they, there might be a, a little tweak here and there regarding what specific should be tested and not. But other than that, I think the system was set up just fine. It, it worked out perfectly until the cost of labor went up, and of course, with everything with the government, they didn't keep up pace. They didn't change the the rate, and they should be, like you said earlier, that they should be increasing the rate per car so that it's worthwhile for for a, a broader yeah. uh, a group of, of retailers to, to service us. Yeah, and that's my, like I say, in the community where I live, there's one place that does it. Now, you, know, you can drive to, I mean, I, I live in the metropolitan Milwaukee area, so yes, you. and now, at, at first, a lot of car dealers didn't do it. Now more car dealers are doing it. So you, you can 
find places that will end up doing it, but it's, it's not necessarily that easy. I mean, I guess I think it should be user-friendly. I think, to your point, we should compensate people for what it really costs them to end up doing it. And I do question, okay, do, do you need it every two years on a car that's, that's three years old? I, I guess that's my question, too. I, I do want to. Yeah, I, uh, that's a that's a great question. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let someone else uh, like dig into that. But I do want to thank you for bringing the topic up, just for the sole purpose of for me. Like I take advantage of, or I feel now after hearing the topic of conversation that I've been taking advantage of this place that gives me this great service. I go <laughs> in, and ten minutes later, I'm out. And like I I don't thank them enough by making sure that I go there to get my fuel yeah. or, or using their convenience store. Now yeah. I'm a little more aware of that. And and I think it was a great topic for me, at least. Well, well thanks, Mike. No, and, and that's that's the thing. Like I And I, I've, I've had this conversation since we switched off from the, you know, having the, those big facilities that you used to go to. And it's one of the things that, and I've been meaning to talk about this for a while, and what the, the email I shared with you is what really generated this, because I, I have these conversations with the people that are that that are are running these places and they're talking about how they get like two bucks a car but the reason they do it is because they're hoping that people will will come back and they'll patronize them for other stuff now at the place in the community where i live they don't even sell gas it's not like it's a mini mart or anything like that it's just it's a pure auto repair store and typically i with my cars i end up going to the to the dealers and things like that so i always feel like i'm kind of freeloading but at the same time I want to get the thing done. Let's talk to Richard in Germantown. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I agree 100% with what you're saying. Um, if Yeah, if you have a brand new car or a fairly new car, why did you have to go through this? Um, I don't have a newer car, so yes, I have to have my vehicles tested, but it winds up being an inconvenience for me because say I get the renewal and the one thing that I found, which is unfortunate is that uh, the renewal form has a list or website where you're supposed to go and find Mm -hmm. establishments that do the work. And I start looking and I start calling and the list that the state has is wrong. Yeah. Um, well, people the come. They, they don't. They don't keep it updated. To, yeah, I, I think what it probably is that they don't pe- right. keep it updated. Businesses close, or they decide we we can't afford to do this anymore because right. we're only getting two bucks a car back or whatever. So yeah, a lot of times it is inaccurate. Yeah. You're right. And say the place I went to last year, they're not doing it, and and so on and so forth. I, you know, I call one place up, and uh, it's a mom and pop repair place, and it's like, well. We used to do it. The computer that we do it on is broken. We're not sure if we're going to get the computer fixed. Right. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah, find another place. Like you, you find another place, but it's like good grief. Then then it's on me (laughs) and the, the vehicle owner to take the time to go to the website and get on the phone and call one place after another, after another, after another, where... Uh, to me, I would rather have it go back to the way it was where there was a place here, here, and here, and they had, you know, right. You just get in line, right. Lanes of cars yeah, and, and go and do it. To me, that was faster than me spending, uh, you know, a half hour on the phone trying to call places and figure out times 
right. uh, that I can do it. Well, and Richard, thanks for calling. And I guess my, the, the larger overarching question about this, too, is, is, is it worth it if you have, again, if you have a, a 2018 car, okay, I mean, that has, I, I don't know, 35,000 miles on it or 40,000 miles on it or whatever, is it... Is it really worth the effort of having you have to have your car tested? What percentage of those those vehicles, those late model vehicles, what percentage of them actually fail? I mean, is it because we know overall the numbers are less than 10 percent, I think probably a lot less than 10 percent. But OK, my guess is the vast majority of those cars that are failing the emission test are cars that have been on the road for a long time. Now, maybe the numbers suggest otherwise, but I don't think so. My guess is of the late model cars, the ones that are five years old or less, six years old or less, my guess is the failure rate is probably slim to none. At least that's what I would think. Here's from Jim. Jim says, Jeff, emission testing is one of my soapboxes. I think it's a regressive tax. It hurts people that can't afford newer cars. You have to take time off from work to find a place to do it. Repair shops love it because if your check engine light comes on, you have to pay a certain amount of money in order to get them to turn it off. I'm a lefty, and I really wish the next time there's a Republican majority, they'll get rid of it because my side never will. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six. Any event, I, I I understand there's there's some people out there who oh, this, this is just absolutely great. My my point is when it comes to emission testing, I, I think it's fair to ask questions, and some of those questions are why are we doing it for extreme late model cars? How many of those really fail? I mean, as a as a practical matter, you know, how many of the cars, you know, twenty, how many of the twenty nineteen vehicles are are failing emissions tests? And if it turns out it's almost none, and that's what my guess is, why are we making people, why are we inconveniencing people to have them have to go have their emissions tested? Why are they then taking up spaces that are are I belong that you know other people are having trouble finding why aren't we properly reimbursing the places to do it Th- these are all these kind of fair questions to ask there and I would also say you know if I, I love it because th- this is keep in mind again emissions testing is only a seven county area if it's good enough to require people in Milwaukee County or Ozaki County or Washington County to do it why isn't it good enough to require people who are in Rock County or in Dane County why shouldn't they be doing it as well just asking. WTMJ and Jane Matinera are teaming up with the Brewers Community Foundation to collect pet supplies for the Wisconsin Humane Society. Join Jane this coming Wednesday, April 13th, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. outside Halfair Field. That's the Little League Field, if you don't know, that's attached to or associated with a, uh, American Family Field where the Brewers play. They will be collecting dog toys, canned and dry food for cats and dogs, cat litter, training leashes, and doggy treats. For more information, go to WTMJ.com. WTMJ Cares, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. And here's an example where I encourage you to not only do what I say, do what I do, because my, my lovely wife, Fran, heard Jane and I talking about this the other day. Now, our, our dog, Sasha, has over the years accumulated an enormous amount of toys. But the only toys she will play with are these like white squeak toys, these lambs. We call them the lammies. She, she loves those. And this, this 
only one particular type of ball that she will sit there for hours if you will throw the ball and bring it back. But she has this whole universe of, of squeaky toys and stuff, which it's not even fair to describe them as gently used. They're like probably never used because we would buy them because, you know, you want to buy your dog the toy. You'd give it to her. The dog would kind of look at it and then go grab the lammy. So we had this huge box, I mean, dozens of, of toys that we had accumulated over the years. And my my wife came to me and said, Sasha's never going to play with these because we every once in a while we'll pull one out and we'll try to get her interested in it. And she goes and grabs the lamb or grabs the ball and said, well, why don't we try to do this? So we packed them all up, brought them in, gave them to Jane Matinair today. So you can do it as well. It's, and again, it doesn't have to be a new toy, but they don't want stuff that's trashed. I mean, gently used toys. In addition, this is such a wonderful cause, they will also take coin of the realm, C-A-S-H. So if you're in a position, you don't you, you want to support this and you're in the area on Wednesday and you drive through, they'll take 20 bucks, they'll take 50 bucks, they'll take 100 bucks. But it's a wonderful WTMJ Cares event, and I encourage you to take advantage of that. And Jane's going to be out at Hal Field on Wednesday, so you can stop by and say hi to her. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Okay, if you are a regular listener of this program, you know that I am not one of these guys that buys into the whole stop the steal thing. I, While I think there are things that happened during the 2020 election which might not be best practice and, and might not be completely in accordance with state law, which is murky and vague on certain things. I, I don't believe there's any evidence of outright fraud. I, I don't believe that you had some... I don't know, voting machine that um, a thousand people voted for Donald Trump and it counted their votes as Joe Biden. I don't believe there's any evidence to suggest that thousands and thousands of people who weren't legally allowed to vote or were dead or non-residents or whatever ended up voting. I I just don't believe there's any evidence that suggests that, which, again, isn't to say that, you know, we we don't have to have a discussion on what does Wisconsin election law mean? Are drop boxes allowed or democracy in the park events like that allowed? But that's different than saying that there was, was fraud. So I've been one of these people arguing that I think It's really important for particularly Republicans to to move on and stop focusing so much on November of 2020 and start focusing on November of 2022, where you have issues like inflation and immigration and you you name it, COVID response, all these type of things which are out there. Now, having said that, though, there are always things that happen in these elections that just make me want to pull my hair out because it gives ammunition to the people who question whether or not our, our elections are being run properly. And this is one of those stories, TMJ4 reporting. West Dallas discovers 133 unopened absentee ballots. No change in election found. The city of West Dallas discovered 133 unopened absentee ballots following Tuesday's spring election. They don't think it's going to change any of the results. According to the West Dallas City Clerk's Office, the unopened ballots were delivered to the clerk's office the Friday before the election, but were not provided to the Board of Absentee Ballot Canvassers on Election Day. So they they were cast— they were in the possession of the clerk's office. They took them over, but somehow they, they never got to the people that counted the ballot. They were instead left in a locked bin within a secure room in the clerk's office. And um, that so essentially they were supposed to be taken to the people that count them. They, they never were. Now, do I think there was fraud here? No, I, I don't. But we've got to be better. 
than this. And you can't, and it's not just like this is five or six unopened absentee ballots that somehow, you know, fell out of something and were under a desk somewhere. I mean, this is 133 ballots that were supposed to, were properly received before Election Day and were supposed to be counted on Election Day, and they weren't because there was a screw-up. Now, I'm not alleging there was fraud, and nobody seems to suggest it's going to change the results of any of these elections, but 133 ballots is a relatively significant number of ballots. So the bottom line of this is, and I say this as somebody who wants to move beyond the was the election stolen and, and all these things, we can't have stuff like this happen. There, there has to be protocols to make sure that 133 properly cast ballots don't somehow get lost in the wash and not counted because, well, we, we've seen a lot of elections around here where 133 ballots, I don't know if they break 80-20 for one candidate or the other, they make a difference. My only comment on this is I don't think it's fraud. But the clerks have to do better. This type of stuff is unacceptable. When we come back, guilt tipping. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Melissa Barkley, before you leave, there are, it's called guilt tipping, and there's two different kinds of guilt tipping. One of one asp- one kind of guilt tipping is where it's a it's a traditional it's it's something where you would traditionally tip somebody a gratuity, but for whatever reason you decide to add an extra five or ten percent to it. A lot of times it's caused by you people pay with credit cards nowadays, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so for example, there, there's some restaurants. I was at one not that long ago where you, you don't get a traditional bill. They don't bring you the paper check. The, the your your bill is on one of those handheld computers, and they give you the handheld computer, and you run your credit card through it, and it's got these little boxes with suggested tips: eighteen percent, twenty percent, you know, twenty five percent, thirty percent, those things. So you know, normally you might be inclined to tip fifteen percent, but you see these boxes, so you do that. So that's one aspect of guilt tipping, where you are encouraged to tip more than you otherwise would. The second type of guilt tipping is where you are encouraged to tip for something that you traditionally would not tip for, like your your. I, I know you're in line. You're at the butcher shop, for example. You know, and and you say, "Hey, I, I want two pounds of hamburger, and I want a couple of ribeye steaks." And and again, you get th- this thing that's again, you put the credit card through, and it's got a space for tip. You wouldn't traditionally tip the butcher. At least I I wouldn't tip the butcher traditionally. Uh-huh. You get a lot of that at some of like the the kind of the grab and go type of stores. Whether you know, okay, it's they're they're, they're giving you. They're giving you the the coffee, and so you know you got the coffee and the sweet roll, and that's already like twelve bucks or whatever. And they expect you to tip more than that. Okay, are you a guilt tipper? I am a guilt tipper, and I I'm literally guilty of this. Last night, I mean, we uh, I picked up some Chinese, ordered it over the phone. I picked it up myself, but right. you know, you guilt tip because you're like, well, you made the food, I guess. Like I'll tip you. Like so, I just even even though it's something, if they would deliver it to your door, right, I would automatically tip. Yeah, like you're tipping the but delivery But if you're picking driver. it up yourself, it's like, well, do I tip? Do I not tip? I'll just tip, you know, and I end up just. So I'm, I'm curious. Okay, so what what did you? So you you've ordered the food. Mm-hmm. You go and you pick it, pick up, it up from. So hi, I'm I'm here. I'm Melissa. I'm Give me the food. Up. Yeah. So what did you tip? 
I mean, how much? Oh, you know, five bucks or something like that. Well, what percentage? I mean, five bucks no, on what? I don't know. On like a thirty dollar order. Okay, so I, get, you, I don't you, always no, do no, no. that, but no, sometimes but tipped, I do. You, you tipped like fifteen percent yeah. on something that you yeah. that you <laughs> that, that you I, went and picked up. I know. Okay, I know. I don't I, always do that, but sometimes I feel bad and I'll just do it. Okay. I, well, and I, but I, I, then there's a point. There's a tipping point where you're like, where does this end? Well, that's that. <laughs> that's, like, I shouldn't do this for everything. I, well, you know, I, actually, there's a story. And it's actually in the New York Post that caught my attention today about how a, a lot of these these places that traditionally the, the traditional kind of counter service mm-hmm. five guys. Now, I, I haven't been in a five guys in ages, but the story at least a couple of these five guys. You know, you know, five guys. It, you you go in, you order your burgers, like you the know? burger restaurant. Right. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. walk into the burger restaurant, the burger doodle, and you order. I want two cheeseburgers, uh-huh. and I want an order of onion rings. And then you sit, and they wait. They call your number. You go up, you pick it up. Apparently, they have not just the old tip jar, but but they for again the people that are paying. With the credit cards and stuff, it's got those boxes yeah. where you want to tip fifteen percent. You want to talk tip eighteen percent. You want to tip twenty percent, and you know, and and there's this kind of implied pressure to do that. But we've never tipped for. The, I mean, the the person's job arguably is. You go, you pick up the food, you put it in the bag, and you give it to somebody. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about this before, is that sometimes, especially during the pandemic, I I feel for hospitality workers, people that work in the service industry, and I know they work really hard, and I know it's been hit really hard with the pandemic. So if I do give a few extra dollars here and there, I, I, I don't necessarily, maybe it's a guilt on my end, but it it's going to a good cause, so I don't feel too bad about it. Would you tip at the dry cleaner? You, you've taken some I, of your- I would. I don't. I don't take things to the dry cleaner, but I probably would. Really, I'm, I'm just curious. So, if I mean, because that that's something that would never occur to me to tip. Okay, let's say I again. I'm in the same situation. Mm-hmm. I used to take when I was in another life. I'd have dress shirts and stuff, and I yeah. take them, and you know, you have suits laundered and things like that. But I guess it would never occur to me to go and give them the ticket and pick it up and pay for it. It would never occur to me to to tip. The person who's collecting my my clothes, you know, giving me my do clothes. They, do they normally have like a tip jar or anything there? Because I don't know. get my clothes. But I'm just, but I'm just asking. But I'm, I, I I'm wondering would, if that's any yeah. if that's if that's any different mm-hmm. than the, the five guys. You know, you you go yeah. and you, you order it, and then they they put it in the bag. All right, yeah. eight five. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, much like Melissa, um, because of the pandemic, I'm. I have, and even before that, I mean, I've, and actually my late wife kind of sort of drilled this into me because she grew up without a lot of money and stuff. And we always, I, my attitude has always been that in the traditional sort of things, we we over tip. People, if the places where I'm a regular, the, the waiters and waitresses, the service, they, they, they like to have us because I, I, I typically probably over tip a little bit because I've always figured I'm fortunate enough in life that that extra, that extra $5 to me, that extra $5 means so much more to the, the server than it does to, to me. And maybe I won't always be in a financial position where I can do that, but right now I am. So, so I do. So it, I guess to me, it, it's not so much you know, given a few extra bucks, particularly what's going on with the, the service industry now and how hard that's been hit. But it's this idea that when it comes to things that traditionally you did not tip for, you know, the, the person bringing you your food at the Five Guys, the, the, the dry cleaner, you know, you know fill, in, fill in the blank, um, it, do you guilt tip? And do you feel that, that this is the new thing that you should 
tip the person who's retrieving your clothes at the dry cleaner or tip the person who's filling in your order at the Five Guys. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I don't I don't mind tipping a little bit more than traditional. I will say I don't like the kind of forced implication that's there when you get the the thing that's that's got those little boxes. They say it's to make it easier for you. I, I think I think there's an implied degree of pressure there, and I don't like that. But even more importantly, I guess I'm not quite at that avenue where you know everybody that, that works at a counter you should tip. I mean, if if you go to the hardware store. And I, you know, you you buy a bunch of light bulbs, and you buy a can of paint or whatever. Do do you tip the cashier? Do you tip the cashier at the grocery store? And if I guess my question would be, if you're not tipping the cashier at the grocery store, why are you tipping? I don't know the the guy at the Chinese restaurant, like Melissa was talking about, who's simply going into the kitchen, getting you your takeout order, and then giving it to you. They call it guilt tipping. Do you do it? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk about talk and Text Line. We're talking about what, what what's called guilt tipping, and there's two kinds of guilt tipping. One type of guilt tipping is where you tip more than you normally would in part because you are prompted to do it. You, you go in and you you know you you're, you get that screen that's out there that says, okay, well well here's you know you don't have to do it, but this is eighteen percent, this is twenty percent, this is twenty five percent. All you have to do is press the button, and the server is like standing right there. And maybe typically you, you'd give fifteen percent, but it, it's it's prompting you to tip more. The other type of guilt tipping is becoming a lot more prevalent now. Again, with everybody that pays for credit cards, where there's almost an expectation that you will tip for things that have never been a tipped thing before. Uh, again, the example, you, you, Five Guys is the story I'm looking at. You know, you, you go in, you order 13 bucks worth of food at Five Guys, you run your credit card through, and that screen comes up prompting you to tip 15 or 20 or 25 percent for you know, counter service. Uh, Melissa Barkley was talking about how you know, she picked up food at a Chinese restaurant. She picked it up. And we're not talking about delivery. Now, clearly, I mean, historically, I think, you know, you get food delivered to your home, and, and there's always been this trend to, to tip the delivery driver. I hope people do that. But this idea that you've now gone in and you've picked it up, do you, do, do you tip, I don't know, the guy who might even be the owner at the Chinese restaurant for simply, you know, going into the back, getting your food, and bringing it back out? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Ruth in Oak Creek. Hi, Ruth. Hi. What do you think? Um, well, I, I, I have, I've always found it strange, and it started happening recently, is when you go and you have your hair done, and you purchase, let's say, some products, some shampoo, you're out of shampoo and conditioner, and they, run the, they ring the bill total, but the total includes the products that you purchase. So let's say you purchase $80 in products, and then they ask for the tip with the total with your products. So you're giving 20% off an entire bill that's maybe $280 instead of the actual service that was maybe 160 Right, right, example. right. Just a quick example. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Yeah. I just, I don't think it's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I always ask, can you, can you run the service? I've started to ask, can you run the service? Because you're sometimes giving, depending on if, what, what kind of, um, you know, treatment they gave you or mm-hmm. if they did hair highlights they end up you know the right. tip goes way beyond 
the right. 20% that I normally would give. Right. No, no, you're, you're exactly right. You know, I've been thinking about this. Now, there were, during the pandemic, when certain restaurants were closed and they were only open to carry out, we used to, we used to tip regularly and, and candidly because we, we knew the owner, we knew the, the we, we wanted the business to stay open. So, and we, we knew that the servers were hurting. And so we would, we would tip as, Truthfully, we would tip like if we we were getting the you know in store in restaurant sit down type of service because we we wanted to support these restaurants and all. But but those that at least was a voluntary decision that we were making because we we wanted the business to stay open. It's it's very different, I, I think, this expectation that you tip for everything. And I keep coming back to this idea of of, of counter service and stuff. I mean, it, do are, should there be an expectation that you tip at the fast food restaurant where you, you've got the the kids? I mean, again, it's I'll I'll take I'll take two cheeseburgers and order fries and a soda, and then they call your number up and you you pick it up. Is there an expectation that you you tip there? And and if there's an expectation that you tip. In that sort of scenario, is there an expectation that you tip the cashier at the grocery store for ringing up your your stuff? Now, if you have employees that go above and, and beyond, for example, you order a lot of you, you get a lot of groceries, and you have the the young man or young woman who takes your, your bags out to your car. Well, I mean, in those cases, you'd always give a couple bucks, but is there now an expectation that you're you're, you're tipping? Everywhere you go, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi there. Hi, I was wondering if you could talk about the, hello, yeah. the change that we're seeing in terms of paying with cash versus credit cards. I think this phenomenon you're talking about has mostly to do with the big shift societally in terms of paying with credit cards for everything. Mm-hmm. No, so, you're you're right because uh, then it gets printed up. Maybe one percent. Go ahead. No, no, you're you're right because where in the past maybe there was one out of a hundred people who paid their dry cleaner a two dollar cash tip. That person no longer has the option, given that some places aren't accepting cash, or this person doesn't carry cash, or whatever it is. Right. No, I think you're. You know, thanks for calling. You're you're exactly right, and it's it, it's that that's part of the again guilt tipping thing because historically. Let's use my example. The dry, or five guys. Oh, let, let, let's go because that's the New York Post story uses five guys as the, the thing. So historically, right, you you would walk in and let, let's say your it's your your tab is is twelve bucks, right? So you reach into your wallet, you you pull out you know fifteen, and you give them fifteen bucks. They give you three dollars and change. You go pick up your food. And, and I don't think anybody would have thought of tipping the the person at the counter for that. But you're exactly right. Now people are paying with the uh, you're paying with the card and so the the bottom line of it is that they, they just put those those boxes up there and there's almost like this expectation to add 15 or 20 or 25 or 30 percent and I, I i i'm not i'm not a cheapskate I, i'm not but i'm i'm really wondering where where this this draws the line because to me there were some professions i i understand for example in the food in the food business, like servers, servers aren't paid minimum wage. Servers, it's their tips are 
are figured in when determining what their compensation is. That That's just the way it works in the restaurant industry in this country. There is an expectation that there will be gratuities, and that helps make people's income. That that That's never been the case for the clerk at the dry cleaning store or the, or the cashier or the person who's working the counter at the fast food restaurant. That's never been a job where there was an expectation for for tips. Chris on the west side. Chris, good afternoon. Hey, how are you this afternoon? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Um, I don't believe in in tipping at the counter for the most part. The one place I will do it is I stop at a um, small independent coffee shop that's mm-hmm. truly a, a mom-and-pop single place. And I do know that for the convenience of using a credit card or a bank card, the um, business is charged like a 5% fee from right. the clearinghouse. So once a week, I will throw a tip on to help defray that cost. But otherwise, I tend not to. Yeah. Now, thank, thank, that's it. I mean, a number of people, I'm getting some interesting things. Jeff, the maddening thing is that many places don't accept cash anymore, and then that stupid tip options cannot be avoided. Um, well, there's an element of that. Jeff, I will tip at a place that customizes my sandwich, but not at, say, another place where it's just like I'm, I'm ordering a submarine sandwich off an, off an order board. I hate the guilt tipping. Let's talk to Walker in West Dallas on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi. Um, I've got a... Yeah, I've got a black historical perspective on tipping. For instance, it's, it's been noted, they say, well, black people don't tip. Well, there's maybe a reason for that. Historically, we didn't get tipped we got whipped. The idea of paying somebody for doing their job, this is something that is not well established um, in, mm-hmm. in our culture. And so the idea of tipping somebody for just doing what you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, no, that's not. And then you've got some black people, they go over that, they identify with people who are in service, and they over tip. Um, I had an experience, you know, mothers, uh, 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 mothers, um, that that uh, uh that pizza that that Italian restaurant at uh at Prospect and Kittleworth, they had a sign up saying, they had a sign up saying uh, uh, tipping is mandatory, and I said what the hell? So what I did, we got our cash together, and I paid them the exact amount, and didn't tip it. And, and the services, well, uh, the tipping is mandatory. I said no, no, no. no. no you don't understand. Right. If you want to, right. Tipping, yeah, right. No, thanks yeah, to Call yeah, Walker. Yeah, no, if you want, I'm with you. No, I mean, tipping, if, if you want to add a service charge into something, and, and candidly, um, okay, I was in Florida last week, week before last, and, and a lot of places we went that they added they added a mandatory service charge in a lot of the lot of the restaurants we went to had had a twenty percent service charge that was added into it and then if you wanted to if you wanted to go over that twenty percent you you could but it, it, it was that and that was what the gratuity was it was twenty percent that was there and a couple of places they said it was it was added into it but you could subtract it if you wanted but but that but they made that clear up front that that was going to to be it a couple of places I went to had because of inflation, they, they had said, okay, there, there's going to be a cert, we're adding a 5% surcharge to all menu costs and stuff. But as long as they tell you that up front, in any event, it's a trend that is continuing. And I, I think, I don't know how it is going to be received. And again, we're not talking about 
you know, supporting the servers and giving them a little bit extra because of COVID and things like that. It's this expectation and this effort to try to make you feel guilty to tip for things that traditionally we did not tip on. Back with more in just a minute. It, it is an amazing story. The, the Masters, and if you if you don't follow golf, there, there are four major tournaments. They, they would call them majors, and, and arguably... The the it would be the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the British Open. That the Masters is probably I think many people would consider it because of its tradition and it's the only one that's played at the same course in Augusta, Georgia every, every year. Um, it, it's I think some people would say it's perhaps the most significant one just because of its history and stuff. Um, it's where Tiger Woods really came into his own. If you're a regular listener, I I I applaud how good Tiger Woods was and, and and still is. And I think he did a, a world of good for the game. I, I'm not a huge Tiger Woods fan just because I, I have trouble separating the, the professional athlete from the, the personal and all the stuff that came out about, you know, what Tiger Woods when he was younger and stuff. I, I have trouble getting past that. I admit it. But nevertheless, I, I respect him as an athlete. And what, what's going on this week is really an incredible story because about a year ago or so, you will remember he was involved in a catastrophic automobile accident in, in the Los Angeles area where he's heading down one of those hills and loses control of his car. And, and I mean, it was, I think a lot of people thought it was kind of touch and go as to whether he was going to survive that. And he had, you know, huge injuries to his legs and things like that. And I think a lot of the conventional wisdom was that Tiger Woods was lucky to be alive and that there was no way he was going to ever come back. And he's in his mid-40s and, and play. And, and it's tough to play at a high level in your mid-40s anyways because you're competing with people that are 20 years younger than you. But I think the conventional wisdom was given all his physical you know, ailments that he'd had before this, that after you're involved in this catastrophic automobile accident, there's no way you're going to play competitively. And he, he's playing in the Masters. And, and yesterday, he had a, a a very, very competitive round. He ended up one under par. Um, I think the leader was like four shots under par. So he was certainly in the mix. Now, the question a lot of people were saying is, how, how is he going, is he going to be able to sustain that? Because, you know, when you've got an injured leg and all this type of stuff, and you've got to walk. And Augusta is a very, very difficult course to walk, and it's been raining a lot this week, not raining yesterday or today. But, you know, you're walking on soft ground and stuff. So the question would be, could could Tiger Woods, with his surgically repaired legs and things like that, could he – could he withstand the the pressure, not just the pressure of the competition, but also the physical strain of you know having to walk a, a golf course that's seventy five hundred yards and uphill and downhill and things like that? But I mean, yesterday was just regardless of how you feel about Tiger Woods, it was just it was an incredible sport accomplishment. Uh, he's he's playing today. He's playing in the afternoon. He's got three holes in, and he's off to a like I say, one under par for the round yesterday. He's played three holes, and he's he's two over par for his round today, which means he's one over par for the tournament. He bogeyed two of the first three holes. So you, you, you know, can he turn it around? Sure, ab- absolutely. And, and regardless of what happens, it's an amazing accomplishment, um, just at least right now off to kind of a rough start. But you've got to applaud, regardless of how you feel about Tiger Woods the person, you've got to just uh, applaud this, this accomplishment that he's able to play competitively after this incredibly you know devastating automobile accident a year ago. All right. Oops, we made a mistake. 
I don't know if you have been following this this story, but um, you know Kylie Jenner. You know, every, everybody follows the the Jenners nowadays. Kylie Jenner and her husband Travis Scott. They, they had a they had a baby in February. Had a baby in February, and they named the baby Wolf. W O L F. Wolf. What a cute kid. Let's call him Wolf. Okay, so they named the child Wolf in February. After thinking about it for a while, they decided that he's really not a wolf. And so they decided to change the child's name. Now, I don't know what the new name is. They haven't announced it publicly, but they came to the conclusion that the kid wasn't what wasn't a wolf, and so they changed the name. Now, they are not the first and only couple to decide that they chose the name wrong. The Social Security Administration, which is you know responsible for recording births and getting people social security numbers and things like that, they recorded nearly 30,000 baby name changes in the past five years. Um, in some cases, they were spelling you know corrections, in other cases, though, they were outright reversals. In other words, here, oh, here's your bouncing baby boy. Let, let's call him, uh, we're going to name him Harold. And then all of a sudden, after about a week, you say, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a Harold. Rachel, did you want to wait in? Wait in? Okay. It's, <laughs> Rachel I producing think once I choose a name, I'm just going to stick with it. <laughs> well, that, well, that's what you say in, until, uh, unless you decide, hey, we're going to call him Wolf. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, you go, he, he's not a wolf. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's, here is my, my question. What what is driving this phenomena, and how would you handle something like this? Where all right, you 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 have the baby, and okay, you you choose the name, and then a week or two later, or a month later, you kind of decide what what was I thinking? <laughs> why why did we choose this particular name? Thirty thousand names over the last five years were, were changed, some because of spelling mistakes, but a lot because mom and dad decided they had screwed up, or if not screwed up, they had made a poor choice when they named the kid in the first place. 855-616-1620. Can you understand how this would happen? And would you ever change the name of your infant child because you rethought? I mean, I—, I you know, I guess I look at this and say, don't you have time? I mean, it's it's like, I guess I look at this and say, all right, it's not like, you know, it's a surprise in, in almost all cases that you're going to be having a baby. Normally, you know, you know that you're going to be having a baby. Matter of fact, I was at a baby shower last Sunday, and um, they know it's going to be a boy. Uh, they didn't tell us what the name is, but, you know, and, and I, I remember the, the, the mom-to-be was saying, well, you know, she, she's down to two names, and she's not telling anybody which one that she's going to go with, but she's considering the two. But, I mean, don't you think about this beforehand? I mean, aren't you, aren't you pretty sure— before you have that baby, you know what the name is going to be? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. 
Um, the Washington Post has a story about this. Here's Jeff. I uh, this the in this the story in the Washington Post. I spent countless hours thinking about what to name my first child, a daughter, and was still debating the day after she was born. Finally, a decision was made. She was Ava for five days, but the name just didn't feel right or fitter. So I called the hospital and asked if it was too late to change. They said it had to be done by the end of the week. Cue further agonizing, and somehow she ended up as Sicily. Cecily. Um, to this day, 19 years later, I still sometimes stare at her and think, Catherine, Madeline, <laughs> 855-616-1620, Tom in New Berlin. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Tom. Um, yeah, what happened, hi, I, I, what happened is I, 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 we gave my son the name Jim for his formal name instead of James, because my real name is Thomas, and I just thought if I'd call Tom, and like I have some social, some credit cards with Tom, some with Thomas, and it goes back and forth, so I thought I'd be more simplistic. But then what happened when my son went to grade school, his teacher told him your name is James, and he had to fill out a form, he said, no, it's Jim, and she got into arguments with him. And then, and the next, the next teacher did too. And he said, "This is so frustrating. Why'd you do this to me?" So I went to the social security office and I had to change to James. Oh, oh really? I was going to make it easier for him. Yeah. Well, that's that. It's interesting yeah, that you say that. No, I mean, thanks. I mean, look, you're talking to somebody that. Um, uh, Jeff is my middle name, and, and it's not an affectation. It's my, my parents always called me Jeff, and so they just. They liked the way the name sounded with Jeff as the middle name. But I will tell you, that's uh, – and, and so, again, it, it's not like – but it, it, but it, I know exactly what you're talking about because all the official documents, you know, come back and it's got my first name on it. And, you know, and, and then sometimes you – know, what I typically do is I use both names now. But it, it's – you know, you'll, sometimes you'll be sitting in places and they'll, they'll call out the first name and you're not registered. Oh, that's me. So that <laughs> – was, and I, I never, I, I asked my mom and dad, I said, and they did this with my brother as well. I mean, my brother's name is, we call him Scott. We've always called him Scott. His, his name is Kevin Scott. And I remember, I, I always, we'd ask, we'd ask mom and dad, why did you do that? And they just said, well, we, we thought Kevin Scott sounded better than Scott Kevin, for example. And, and I, I don't know, but, but it's, it's kind of a, when you, when you do that, it's sort of a, it is a pain because, like I say, the for all your government records and stuff, it's first name and middle initial. Now, again, you can monkey around with a little bit. You can get the full name there. Like that's what on my, what's on my passport and stuff. But otherwise, it is it is you know one of the, those things. But this isn't even that. This is you know people who are just after a little while, they're deciding, you know, I, I think I don't like the name that I gave the kid. And so now we're going to um, end up changing it. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I, I think your parents thought about calling you Wolf Wagner and then maybe chickened out. I think Wolf Wagner has a ring to it. No, I don't think I'm a wolf. I think I'm kind of a, um, I'm kind of a Jeff. Here's the Wall Street, uh, the Washington Post again. We named our second daughter Francesca. We called to tell my parents. My mother, who sounded disappointed, asked, what was your second choice? We told her Amelia. Mom told us that Amelia was her mother's sister's name. We said that was nice and moved on to calling other relatives. When we called my sister-in-law and told her we named our daughter Francesca, she said, that's funny. I had a dream that you named the baby Amelia. So right then, the baby's name was changed to Amelia. Um, oh, okay. Um, there, there you go. 
Another letter in the Washington Post. When my middle son was born, I was in the hospital for four days. We had a hard time coming up with a name for him as we had already used our preferred boy name on our first son. The administrators came by every day asking me for his name, and I kept sending him away. On the final day, they let me know if I didn't provide a name, I'd have to go down to the records office myself, and it would be a bigger hassle than if they just did it in the hospital. So finally, my husband and I agreed on the name Tanner. Okay, My husband left the hospital, and I stared at our new baby boy, Tanner. Tanner. Something wasn't right. I called my husband, who was no more than five minutes out the door. His name isn't Tanner, I said. It's not? What is it, he asked. It's Colin, I said. He paused for a minute and said, okay, um, but with two L's, not one. Fine, I said. And that was how Tanner became Colin, with two L's. The irony? We named our third son Tanner. <laughs> what what can you do about this? But again, it, it, the thing that's so mind-boggling to me, and a couple people are texting in saying, you really can't decide on a name until you've actually like held the baby and, and seen him or her. I don't know. You got nine months. You got a pretty good idea. But, but nevertheless, it's one of the trends. 30,000 name changes in the last five years. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. If you're just tuning in, expecting to hear the second game of the season, the Brewers and the Cubs, game got washed out. And if you're wondering why, just kind of look outside. And as dreary as it is here, it's worse in Chicago. It's going to be made up as part of a day-night doubleheader on Memorial Day Monday, which is May 30th. But the Brewers, they're in Chicago for two more days, uh, two more games tomorrow and Sunday. Weather's supposed to be a lot better. Sports, we still got sports here on WTMJ. The Bucks, they have two games left in the season. And uh, it, it, one of these interesting things is there's all this, this gamesmanship. We, we talked about this with Greg Matzik briefly yesterday. The the Miami Heat are going to have the best record in the conference, and they're going to have home court advantage. But then the, the Bucks and the Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers are all bunched together within like a game of each other. And right now the Bucks are in second place. So if the Bucks win their last two games, they will be the number two seed, which would give them home court advantage against everybody but Miami before you would get to the finals. The interesting thing is um, there's some people who think, well, maybe they should lose a game or two because if they're the number two seed, that means that they're likely to play you know, the Brooklyn Nets, and Brooklyn might be better than the team that they would play if they were number three seed. So there's all, this, there's all these machinations going on and things like that. I guess I, I look at this, and maybe I'm just kind of a simple guy. I just think, hey, you, you want to— you, you want to you want to win your games, you know, and sometimes you can overthink these things. And I fully expect, for example, tonight they're going to rest a lot of their stars and, st- and starters and things like that. But nevertheless, I think it's almost always better to try to win than it is to say, I don't care whether we're going to win or not, and then kind of let the chips fall where they may. A couple weeks ago, we had what I thought was a fascinating discussion about vinyl records, and, and this was prompted by the, the fact that the exclusive company um, in Milwaukee, which was one of the, the oldest record stores, it was closing, and, and they think they were going to reopen it under some employee ownership. And, and we had a fascinating conversation about the people that are out there, and you know who you are, that still – still listen to vinyl records. And, I mean, I am I remember when you had the vinyl records that were there, and they were the th- albums, the 33 and a third, and then I even remember when you had the singles, you know, the 45 records with one song on one side and one song on another. And I can remember spending hours in record stores just going through the bins looking for records that you thought were interesting. And then 
Then there were vinyl records, and then there were cassettes, and then there were um, eight tracks, and then, you know, you ended up with the CDs, and now you've got the MP3s. But there's still always been an interest for, for vinyl records. Now, it it's... There's the people that love the vinyl records love the vinyl records, but it is it's kind of a niche. Well, anyhow, the follow up is that after 66 years of operation, the Wisconsin-based record store chain, the exclusive company, is is going to be closing. They made the announcement yesterday. Um, this comes five months after the owner and founder had passed away. So um, the exclusive company, which claimed to be America's oldest full-line independent record store, um, ended up, uh, they started in West Bend in 1956. Before that, the, the founder he sold records like out of the at, at flea markets and out of the trunks of his car and things like that. The original West Bend location shut its doors and reopened under new ownership. Um, the store in Janesville closed last week, so it it's again one of these. It's kind of the passing of of an era. I know that there's still an interest in vinyl records. And as a matter of fact, you have not just people of, of my generation who grew up with vinyl records who continue to think that they, they sound better and, and things like that, but I also know that there's new generations of listeners who are in the process of collecting vinyl records and things like that. There will always be a market for it, whether or not you're going to be able to take brick-and-mortar stores and and make them – Anything more than a real niche, I guess, is what the open question is. But the exclusive company was just such a huge part of Wisconsin, not just Milwaukee, not just West Bend, but of, of Wisconsin for so many years. And with, with the closing of the stores, and admittedly, some are going to reopen by some of the employees that are going to you know, reopen them under different names and all. You hope it succeeds because, I don't know, for the people out there that still love vinyl, you want to make sure that they get the opportunity to um, listen to music like they think it's supposed to be experienced. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studio, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, if you're following the Masters, as I was saying earlier, this is it, yesterday was one of the really great feel good stories. Tiger Woods shooting one under par, um, three shots behind the lead. And this is it really, he had not played a round of competitive, serious tournament golf. Um, since this catastrophic car accident that he'd been involved in a, a year ago, and, and he came back and had a, just a great day yesterday. Um, reality is kind of setting in, I think, now. He's um, through, so he was one under par for 18 holes. Today, he's played five holes. He's played them in four over par, so he's three over par right now and tied for 40th. So he's he's... It's not to say you can't turn it around in the next 13 holes, but reality is kind of rearing its ugly head. And just the fact that he's able to play competitive golf is just an incredible story. Um, another story, I don't. I think this just broke in the last 45 minutes or so, and this this it just it just stinks. Um, I won't bury the lead. Festa Italiana 2022 canceled canceled. This will now be the third year in a row that Festa has been canceled. Now, it, if, if you're new to this area, you go, what is this Festa that they speak of? But, you know, after after Summerfest, you have the traditional ethnic festivals, which are held on consecutive weekends uh, during July. And, you know, you have German Fest, you have the, the three biggest ones, not to slight some of the other events, but the three biggest ones were, I mean, Festa Italiana, 
I, I think was always the, the big the big three were German Fest, Festa Italiana, and Irish Fest. And and I think Festa Italiana was always at least my sense was it was always the, the biggest one, you know, of of the three. And again, I'm not slight and I don't mean to slight the, the other ones that are there as well. But Festa w- was a big, big deal. Um, here's the story. The Italian Community Center Board of Directors announced today that uh, it's not going to be held. Here's what they say. Due to circumstances associated with COVID-19 and its impact on the organization during the past few years, the directors deemed it best course of action to reimagine how we celebrate Italian culture and heritage in 2022. Um, here's their statement. Um, the social impact of holding Fest Italiana is near and dear to our hearts and brings with it a stronger bond between the Italian Community Center and the city of Milwaukee. We've always been proud to be the oldest of the ethnic festivals in Milwaukee. However, we are at a point in time where we must think of not only the physical health of our members, but also the financial health of our organization when planning events. The Italian Community Center would like to thank the many volunteers and attendees who made it possible to hold such a prestigious festival every year. Stay tuned for more information about what the Italian Community Center has planned for celebrating Italian culture and heritage in 2022. Let me read between the lines. Um, I, I I read that just as somebody reading this is saying that you know financially because of the impact that COVID has had on that organization and a lot of organizations over the last two years that they just came to the conclusion that it financially wasn't possible to do the the event like they want to do the event in 2022. That's that's kind of what I how I, I read this and so I guess the question becomes interesting their statement has nothing to do with like don't worry Fest is going to be back in 2023 I think it's it's very much an open question I will say this if if Festa does not return if, if this is a, a casualty of the economy and especially the, the post-pandemic economy, it, it's going to be a huge loss for uh, for the community because I know a lot of us loved going down to Festa. But the, the headline story is No Festa Italiana for 2022. All right, it's interesting, though, that this is put out by the Italian Community Center because I was at an event at the Italian Community Center last night. Had a really interesting experience. My my wife's grandchildren and her son-in-law, my son-in-law, are very involved with the LLS, which is Lymphoma and Leukemia Society. And, and, and last night, every year they have, a, they have an event they call it Student of the Year. And what happens is they have teams of kids from all different area high schools get together and they compete and, and they, they raise money. That's the idea to help fight the, this awful disease. And last night was the gala banquet and I, I attended. and it was, it, it was just a, a lot of fun and very, very sort of life, life-affirming. Interestingly, all right, the MCs last night, this was kind of a fun experience because it, this is, it's teenagers and stuff. So the MCs were, I had never met them before. It was the, the morning hosts from KISS FM. Uh, Riggs and, and Allie. And so they, they did a really great job. And Riggs is the guy and Allie is the gal. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, hi, I'm, I'm Jeff Wagner. And I just want to tell you, I do this a lot. I just, I really appreciate what you did. And it was so cute because they're like, we listen all the time, you know, and it's, get, you know, and, and can we get your picture and stuff? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm here to thank you for doing the job. But it, it was very, very nice. And they did just an absolutely tremendous job. But, you know, I got to interact with a, a lot of these young people and some, and their parents and stuff. So he Here's one of the interesting conversations I had that's had me, me thinking about this. We were, we were I, I was talking about how nice it was to see, this was a gala, and so all 
the, the young ladies, and we're talking about high school sophomores and juniors and seniors, they're all dressed to the nines. They're, they're just, I mean, they're, they're dressed to the nines. I would not, I kept thinking, I, I wouldn't want to be a bartender trying to guess who's 21 and who's 15 or 16, you know, just because, I mean, they're just, just completely and totally decked out. The boys... Not as much so, you know, but but still, the, the boys were in suits and stuff like that. So I'm talking to one of the dads, and I said, oh, it's kind of nice to see all these kids dressed up and things like that. And he says, well, here, here's the deal, Jeff. He said, my son is going to prom in the—he's in, going, going to prom next month, and we had to go out and rent a tuxedo for him. And it, it used to be— if you were of my age, it used to be you could go to the mall and there were like there was like Gingras formal wear and you could rent a tuxedo and stuff. And and it, it wasn't a big it was, it was a big industry. People rented tuxedos all the time. And he's, the, the, the dad was telling me it, it's just amazing how, first of all, there's not that many places now that you can find to rent tuxedos. And he said, guess what it costs for me to rent a tuxedo for for my son? Guess what it would cost, and I'm thinking, okay, well, it's you know, it, it's one night, and he, you know, he told me where he goes, and it's one of the the, the chain men's discount men's place and stuff, and there, there's really not a lot of choices. And I said, I don't know, for one night a tuxedo, you know, seventy five bucks, maybe, maybe seventy five bucks. Uh uh-uh. uh no. Rachel is producing the show, is shaking her head. Nope, uh, not seventy five bucks. Now think of a number in your head. As to what it would cost to rent, and it's not just the, the coat and jacket. You're, you're renting the shoes, and you're renting the shirt, and you're renting the the, the tie and and the buttons and all those things. Not seventy five bucks. Not a hundred bucks. Not a hundred and fifty bucks. Not two hundred dollars. He told me that all in, all done, by the time you get done with taxes and fees, it was like $240 to rent a tuxedo for your 17-year-old kid for one night. And and I admit, he told me that. I was kind of stunned. I almost didn't believe it could be that much. So th- this morning, I, I went on the website. I, I started looking if I was interested in, in renting a tuxedo. And I started looking, and I, I went to the website for this particular the place, that, and there's not too many places rent tuxedos anymore, and, and darned if... That that wasn't it. Pretty much, pretty much any tuxedo that you wanted to rent, uh, again with the shirt and the you know and the and the whole the whole schmear, the whole nine piece thing, it, it's two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty dollars. I mean, it's it is not a cheap thing. The irony of this is that you can buy a tuxedo, probably you know for you could probably buy a decent tuxedo for 400 bucks and now again when you're talking about 17 year old kid you're probably not going to do it but i'm sitting there thinking why why would anybody why would anybody rent a tuxedo for $240? Now, maybe this is just me. Again, Jeff, don't you understand that the costs of these things go up? But to me, that's just, that's almost just crazy. Our number, 855-616-1620. I think I would be inclined to say, <laughs> I would be inclined to say to the kid, um, here, put on your, your best Sunday suit, or we're, we're going to go out and we're going to buy you a, a nice suit that you can at least you know wear on multiple occasions. You can probably get a nice suit for a kid for not that much more than $245. 855-616-1620. Who rents tuxedos nowadays? And do we really pay, do you really pay over $200 for one night? 855-616-1620. I was just kind of shaking my head. I thought the dad was kind of making it up, but I don't think he is. We discuss in just a minute. 
Jeff, last year for my son's prom, we bought him a nice suit instead. Then he could wear it to graduation, etc. I think a lot of kids are going this route. He looked um, great. Jeff, I would buy the kid a nice charcoal gray suit that he could wear to job interviews. Jeff, I bought a very nice suit for my wedding three years ago. It was $200. I think a rental tuxedo was the same price. You just have to look for deals. Jeff, the kid is getting off easy. I have three daughters, and when it comes to prom dresses, $400 for a prom dress is cheap. <laughs> Jeff, when my youngest son went to prom in 2018, we went to Men's Warehouse to rent a tuxedo. The guy at the store said, just buy him a suit. It will look nicer and be a lot cheaper. And he was right. It was cheaper by about 40 to $50 to buy him a suit than it was to rent a tuxedo. Jeff, this is precisely why asking friends to be a groomsman is such a big ask. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I'm not against tuxedos, but I mean, I remember as a grown-up, I mean, years and years ago, I kind of came to that conclusion. I don't go to that many, I don't go to any events right now that I have to wear black tie to. I mean, some of them are like black tie optional. Um, but I I had a for years and years I had a tuxedo and but I same deal I, I purchased it because I forget what I paid for it but I did the mental calculations even back then that if I wore it twice I was I was ahead on points and I knew I was going to wear it more than twice 855-616-1620 I'm just kind of stunned at this price and I mean especially for like a I guess it's one thing for a wedding and you agree to be a groomsman but for for a kid's prom I mean really Let's talk to Josh in Hales Corners. Josh, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, uh, basically, I kind of told uh, the young lady that it's kind of like electricity. There's, you know, if you want electricity, there's only one place to go. And now with uh, Texas, the competition is nothing. I mean, yeah. there's one, maybe two places. So they kind of own the market. Yeah. And uh, and the fact uh, remains that... Um, you could you can buy a tux actually online for less money yeah. if you trust buying something online. Yeah. But I think most parents don't want to invest, you know, in buying something for the fact that when will he use it again or will he grow out of it right. or what it may have you. I mean, uh, I think a tux is something maybe you use uh, uh, once, twice, three times in a lifetime. Yeah, but still, so, no, no, you're no, you're right, and I think, and you're right. It, I mean, it used to be. I, 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 can't, I mean, I can remember when uh, around here it was like Jingris or something like that. I mean, there every every shopping mall. Remember those? I mean, every shopping mall it seemed like had a, had a tuxedo tuxedo rental store. And I can remember, you know, you're you're the groomsman or you're in the wedding or whatever, and you go there on, on the Thursday or Friday and you pick it up and you hope it fits, and then you got to bring it back by Sunday. But I mean, you're right. There there were all those choices and stuff. But even at that, I just. I, I don't remember the, the co- and I get I understand that everything's more expensive, but I'm I'm trying to think with all the different costs that are associated. Hey, Dad, I'm 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 going to prom. That, that's great. To me, I, I think my inclination would be the same thing. Here, let's go find a let let's go get you a, a nice you know blue suit or a nice gray suit that you can wear for graduation and you can wear for these other things. Um, that's it. Jeff, we paid our daughter $100 not to go to prom, saved a lot of money and no drama for the whole family. It was a win-win situation. Honey, if you and your boyfriend don't go to prom, here's the deal. We're going to give you $100. You can go out. The two of you can have a really nice meal and you can go to a movie on us. 
Well, there's a possibility there. Let's talk to uh, Gianni in Montello. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, yeah, that that does seem way, way outrageous. My great-grandfather was a tailor in Chicago, and um, my father bought me some uh, rather uh, tailored, uh, well-expensive suits when I was in high school and, and finished high school. Um, and, you know, the Harris Tweed, the Brooks Brothers. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I think if I had to do it all over again, um, you know, I visit a lot of thrift stores and there are some, there are some great clothes, great suits in the Goodwill, the uh, St. Vincent yeah. de Paul, some of the local thrift stores around here. Why spend that much money when really in, in the United States, there is so much clothes available right yeah. now. I mean, we're, we're inundated with clothing. Well, well, Gianni, thanks. For, I mean, I, look, I, I'm I'm in a different point in my life nowadays because I, I still have I have a whole closet full of lawyer suits, and I guess when when it comes to suits, I just when I was younger and starting out and didn't have any money, I you know you needed to buy suits, and I tended to buy suits that were what I will describe as cheaper, and they never fit right. I didn't like them; they didn't last as long, and so I used to spend back in the day, you know, stupid money on, on suits and stuff, but it always felt better. And so now I have a, I, I have a closet of, of lawyer suits that still thankfully fit me, and they're still classic and they look great. So I'm, I'm not necessarily a proponent of scrimping and saving like that, but I'm just kind of back with, I can't believe it costs that much money. Here's a Jeff. Jeff, prom is once in a lifetime. They'll always remember that night. The money is not that big a deal. Huh. Well, they're, they're going to remember the night but does that mean that they're going to remember that you, you wore the rented suit, the rented tux? I mean, is, does that really change the dynamic if you're wearing – and I'm all in favor of – look, I, I, I love occasions to dress up and things like that. I thought, like I said last night, that this gala was really, really cool to see, you know, and, and all the adults were dressed up as, as well. You know, it was really, really cool to see people dress up, and, and that's fine. I think there's certainly a time for that, um, I guess – I, I don't. I don't know. Do you remember that you're wearing a tux as opposed to that you're wearing a, a really nice um, suits? Um, you know, so you got that whole idea that's there. Um, oh, people are showing. I'm getting some pictures of of the the wedding. Jeff, a friend of ours had their daughter's wedding in Atlanta, and it was black tie optional. I really didn't feel like spending the money on a tux, and I got a black bow tie instead with my black suit. I doubt that many people realized the the difference. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, uh, you know, I, I think that there's there's kind of that element. You put on that black bow tie and stuff. I have an event that I, I emcee every year that's coming up in, in May, and it's it's a black tie optional sort of thing. And every year I think, okay, maybe maybe should I wear a tuxedo to this because some people do. But, I, you know, I've got some really nice suits, and I'm thinking I, they're, they're just as happy to have me there. I don't know that I necessarily wear to, need to wear the tux. Some, some year I, I might change around, but— If you're renting it, just be prepared for sticker shock. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Okay, Pop Culture Corner, which we always do on Fridays. We weren't planning to do it this Friday because, again, we were supposed to have the Brewers baseball game. But it is back. But we have – now, Melissa Barkley, listen to this because this is kind of cool. We, we have a very special thing starting with, with Pop Culture Corner today and running through the entire year. So every Friday where we do this, we have a sponsor. It's the Palermo's Ooh, Pizza. Congratulations. Oh, oh, it, <clears throat> congratulations to yeah. Palermo's. That's great. But, but here's the deal. So we're going to be picking. Now, we, we do our pop culture corner like normal. But we, and it's kind of the royal we because my producer, Rachel, she, Rachel she's going to get to be the one that decides this. <clears throat> one of our callers 
in Rachel's complete and total discretion, one of our callers is going to win a Palermo's Pizza prize package. Uh, it, it's coupons good for two pizzas and a pizza cooler. And my note said more. I don't exactly know what the more is. We don't, we're not exactly sure what the more is, but it's, but it, but it's two Maybe free pizzas. Maybe some soda in there or something I, I, I like that. I, do, I, I do not know. I have no idea. My note said two pizzas, pizza cooler, and, and more. And more. So it's, it's going to be one of our, our callers. And you know, we do the text line as well. But one of our callers, in the discretion of Rachel, is going to win the Palermo's prize pack. And we're going to do this every, every Friday, you know, that we do Pop Culture Corner. You know, and it's great because... Literally, I eat probably pizza once a week. So this is like such a cool thing for people. I don't oh, know. I love Palermo's. I, too. I love Palermo's. Palermo's. It's a great company. Palermo's great pizza company. is amazing. So yeah, this is going. Do they get two two pizzas? They get uh, one right. You get two pizzas. Two pizzas. And you get okay. a pizza cooler, and you you get more. So whatever, sooner or later, I'll, see, we, were, we weren't really planning to roll this out until next week because we were supposed to have a Brewers game and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but because we, I had a full show today, we said, hey, let, let's, can we do this? And Why the good, not? The good folks at Palermo said, let's, let's go for it and stuff. So by, by next week, I'll probably know what the more is. But yes. right now, it, it's We two, can always it, only speculate. It's right. It, it's two pizzas <laughs> and a pizza cooler. And, you know, that, that's great. So that's Pop Culture Corner presented by Palermo's Pizza coming up. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. And as we were saying just a minute ago, it's Pop Culture Corner time, brought to you by Palermo's Pizza, delicious frozen pizzas made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. All right. Like the big voice guy says, this is the point in time where people are calling in. You don't even know what the pop culture topic is. No, it, no you, you cannot pander for the, this pizza thing. That's not going to work with Rachel. Rachel wants to find people who have substance stuff to contribute to the show. I mean, that's it. it, it this isn't caller number ten. This you got to earn those, those two pizzas and the um, and and all the other stuff that we have. You got to earn that. Okay, what we do if you're new to the concept of pop culture corner is we. We 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 do we really do put aside the heavy lifting, and I, I understand there's all sorts of stuff going on in the world, and what's the atrocities in Russia, and all the election stuff, and that. But we always I always try to send you into the weekend in kind of a good mood, and so we we talk about different things that I label broadly pop culture. Sometimes it's restaurants, sometimes it's music, sometimes it's it's movies, sometimes it's books, sometimes it's travel. Sometimes it's sports. It's whatever I think of or something that's impacted on me during the course of the week that interests me and hopefully will interest you. So pop culture corner for today. We're talking about binging. No, I'm not talking about going out on the, you know, the the post-Lenten binge or anything like that. That's not for a while. I'm talking about binging on on TV. See, here's the deal. I um, I I. I I am a serial watcher of of television shows, and uh, I think one of the best best TV shows ever was was Breaking Bad. And I know now there's lots of people who binge on Breaking Bad. But what they did was, um, after the Breaking Bad series ended, they started a a prequel with Bob Odenkirk, who's a a great comedic actor. And he he played – he had a smaller role on the Breaking Bad show as as kind of this crooked lawyer named Saul Goodman. And so for the last – Five or six years, there's been a show. It's the Breaking Bad prequel. It's called Better Call Saul. 
and it's wrapping up after six seasons. The first half of the final season drops on April 18th. It drops a week from Monday. And I, I have watched the show. I don't it's different than Breaking Bad, I, I guess. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure it's better or worse. It's it's just different. But because of my background as a recovering lawyer and stuff, I, I find it to be particularly interesting. So I, what I have been doing in anticipation of the show debuting, the, the final season dropping, I'd kind of forgotten about the first couple seasons. So I have been in the middle of a Better Call Saul binge. And I'm now, I think I've got, I'm on the final episode of season two, and so I've got three more seasons to go, and I will knock it off before the, the new show, the new, the final season starts on, on Monday the 18th. So I'm in the middle of this, like, Better Call Saul binge, and I'm trying to watch, like, maybe two two episodes a night. Last night, I'm up at 1 o'clock in the morning. We got back from this gale, and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, and I'm watching, you know, <laughs> the Better Call Saul. But it's entertaining, and I forget how much I, I mean, I knew I vaguely remember what had kind of happened, but it, it's kind of fun to just sit there and boom, you need to click off a couple of these episodes. And of course, if you're streaming them on Netflix or whatever, there's no commercials, so you can go through them reasonably quickly. So I'm in the middle of a Better Call Saul binge. Pop Culture Corner for today, our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Binge-worthy television. What is the show? And I guess I would broaden this also to movies. If there's a series of gee, you know, movies that are worth your time. Gee, I, I love the Fast and Furious series of movies, and I can sit and I can watch all seven of them back to back. A binge-worthy thing to watch. TV, if you want to add movies, that's fine, but I think mostly it's binge-worthy TV shows. If you're out on that TV binge, what's the show going to be? 855-616-1620 back with your calls and texts in just a moment. Very subject to terms and conditions not available in all areas. If you're a small business owner, listen up. Pie Insurance wants to give you one of those aha moments, the kind that could save you money. Workers' comp is probably one of the biggest costs you face. But did you know that insurance providers have flexibility in setting their prices? That's right. But many don't bother giving small businesses the savings you deserve. Instead, you can get lumped in with other businesses and overcharged. Pi Insurance was created to change that. With Pi, you get a quote tailored specifically to your business, and you could save up to 30% with no hassle and no hidden fees. And with helpful representatives just a call away, it's easy to understand why Pi is rated excellent by customers on Trustpilot. Take three minutes to see how much you could save with Pi Insurance. Ask your agent for Pi or go to trypie.com. That's T-R-Y-P-I-E.com. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. Binge-worthy television. For me, right now, I'm in the middle of a binge on Better Call Saul, trying to go through all five seasons before the final season starts a week from Monday. Jeff, I agree with you. I think Breaking Bad is the goat of binge-watching. Lately, I've been revisiting Seinfeld, however. It still ends up cracking me up. 855-616-1620. My wife um, just got done. She binge-watched Downton Abbey. 
and it was we were going to this was going to be one where we were going to watch it together and then you know she just wanted to watch it faster than I did so next thing I know she's she threw all six seasons and stuff of Downton Abbey now she's looking for what the next binge worthy thing for her is going to be Joe in Milwaukee Joe you're on WTMJ good afternoon Hey Jeff Hi. love the show thank you uh, um Yellowstone that's is the, that's a good series it's only four seasons but it's on Paramount and Paramount Plus, and Kevin Costner is the head of the Dutton Ranch in Montana. It's very good. You have to check it out. Yeah, it, I, you know it's funny. I've I've heard all sorts of good things about Yellowstone. I I've never I've right. never seen it, but that sounds like one that maybe it's worth kind of going back to and you know and, and catching up. And especially since you've got it all there, you can you can catch up pretty quick. I would imagine. Right. Yeah, it's really good. His daughter, Beth, she don't take any crap, so. <laughs> okay. okay. It's well, really good. Uh, thanks <laughs> thanks for the call. That. Okay, that, that's good. Well, thanks for that. It speaks to the women in my life. They don't take any crap. That's for sure. 855-616-1620, which is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, the, the other show, along with um, Yellowstone, you hear talked about a lot, is, is Ozark. And I, I know people love love Ozark. I, I watched the first season of it, and I and I liked it. I mean, it was it was sort of dark with the anti heroes and things like that, and a little bit violent. And, and I know that's incredibly popular. And I think the fourth season of that just dropped. So I, at some point in time, I, I'm going to go back, and that's that's on my list of things to see. Um, seasons two and three and four of Ozark. A couple people are writing in about Justified. Which is that? That's that's great. I mean, that was an FX series that ended a couple years ago with Timothy Oliphant, who was the guy from Deadwood, and he played a U.S. marshal. That that that's an outstanding one, definitely binge worthy. And as long as we're talking about the Timothy Timothy Oliphant, um, Deadwood on HBO, three seasons, and then the Deadwood movie. That's another great uh, binge worthy thing. And there's only about like I think thirty episodes of that, so you can knock that off in a week or two. Eight five five six one six one. 620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to, let's see, Mary in Brookfield. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hi there, Jeff. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? Oh, it's got to be The Wire. The The Wire? Oh, on, on HBO. Okay. Um, yeah, five, five seasons. Um, Really, really good. You know, I I related to that, Mary, because back in another life, when I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office, I used to do a lot of wiretaps, and so involving drug dealers. So that that first year, which is where they've really focused on like the wires and stuff, that it was outstanding, and it was incredibly realistic as well. Oh, I agree. I was a school teacher in the city of Milwaukee, and (laughs) the depiction of the life was so realistic, and also the acting, Idris Elba, Michael B. Jordan. Dominic West. I mean, oh, right. they're they're famous actors today. No, yeah. it, no, it is. No, thanks. That that was absolutely tremendous, and and it was set in. If you haven't seen it, it's it's worth going back, and it is incredibly binge worthy. She's absolutely right. It it's set in Baltimore, and each year focused like the the first year was on like law enforcement, and and it was about the wire. Then they had one year which was about the public school system, and one year was about the media, but all with the the same characters. And one year they were at the docks, and I forget what the the other year was. But it was was a wonderful five-year run, incredibly well-acted and incredibly authentic. Let's talk to Tim in Milwaukee. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. 
the absolute most binge-worthy show I can find in history is a show on Hulu called Letterkenny. I have never even heard of this, much less seen it. And I, and I have Hulu. What's it about? Letterkenny is a show about a like a little rural town in Canada called Letterkenny. Um, settled by... show starts every week or every episode with saying there are 5,000 people in Letterkenny. These are their problems. <laughs> okay. And, I mean, the, the character buildup, it takes you three or four um, shows to get into it. Yeah. And once you get into it, you can't walk away from it. It is drop-dead funny. It's offbeat, off-color, yeah. Canadian humor. And, I mean, it, it's, I started watching it just as a whim because I saw little vignettes of it on YouTube and found out, hey, this is an actual series. Cool. And I started <laughs> watching it, and I've been riveted to it ever since. Interesting. Okay, well, well, Tim, in part because it sounds like an interesting show that I have never heard of. Did Rachel tell you your you you win our? Did she get your information? You you win our you win our Palermo's pizza pack for the week. Did she tell you that? She did, and I'm very grateful for All that. All right, yeah. good good enough. Well, thanks for letter, Kenny. Okay, thanks for the call. See, that's 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 what I I need that those ideas. There was a gosh, there was a show. I I, I want to say it's called. Norway, but I, I could be wrong. It it the premise is, it's it's the guy from The Sopranos who played um, who who played uh, the oh the the character that the turned informant who was was killed like in the second year. Um, who, whose name is escaping me? I think Stephen Sharippa was the was the actor. But anyways, the the plot is he's a mobster who goes into witness protection and they relocate him in Norway. And it's again, it's one of these like fish out of water dramas. And it's it's again, it's just like he's talking about with this movie. It takes a couple episodes to kind of really get understand what's going on and stuff. But once you find out it, it ran for three years and it was just it was one of these things that I was just mesmerized by. Very, very admittedly very, very offbeat. But um great. Uh here's one of our texts. Agree, agree, agree to letter Kenny. Um it's an absolute must see. Lilyhammer. That's it. Thank you. I was saying Norway. It's it's set in Lilyhammer. But it was just it's another one of these things where you just, and it's it's kind of like he's expected to conform to everything that's going on in Norway, and actually, he, he starts to bring the American mobster stuff there. It's very, very good. Yeah, Lilyhammer. That's what the um, that's what the movie. Um, that's what the show was. Let's talk to um, Marty and Racine. Marty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Okay, what's worth your time? Binge worthy. Well, since I like to watch uh, Motor Trend. Uh TV on Sunday nights. I watch yeah, watching Street Outlaws. Uh huh. I am binge watching every season of SWAT. SWAT. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank. You know, it's it's funny. I I don't think I've ever seen an episode of SWAT. <laughs> Just I, I I don't think I've ever seen an episode of 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 SWAT. But I I, I can understand. I mean, this kind of stuff is is definitely. Definitely addictive. Uh, Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. I'm completely with you on Breaking Bad. That is the one that I would recommend for a few reasons. One is that you do get to see how the characters change, and not just Walt, but Skyler and Jesse also go through some really interesting changes. Right. And then the other, the other is just that 
it stays good throughout the whole series, and it's not like some of these other ones where it's awesome for yes. three years and then it just gets boring. Yes. And if you're wanting more after the series is done, you have the El Camino movie and you have Better Call Saul. Yep. And some of the characters that were in Breaking Bad come up in Better Call Saul. And, like, for, the, for example, the character of Salamanca, you get to see how he ends up in the condition in Breaking Bad. Right. And so I, I definitely would recommend it for all those reasons, in addition to the ones you provided. Yeah, and, it, and it's very, very good. No, thank, thanks for calling. And there's, there's no question. It is an extremely well-done sort of show. Yeah, a lot of people, um, this letter, Kenny, I mean, we must have a dozen people who are texting me saying that they just absolutely love that. Um, Jeff, I got into uh, season four of The Walking Dead. Um, I, I'm going to go back and, and watch that. Yeah, the, it's interesting. The Walking Dead. I just I never got into it. Um, Bridgerton. Yeah, that's that's one of the big things. Actually, I think that's one I'm going to encourage my wife to watch uh, because if you like Downton Abbey, that that's that's kind of a more adult version. I, I when I understand, it's kind of like a more adult version of um, of, of Downton Abbey. But that. That could be one as well. Number of people are mentioning Yellowstone as well. Number of people, again, lo- love this letter, Kenny. One person says, give that guy a pizza. That's a great one. Well, we did. Jeff, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, that's on my list as well. That's on um, That's on Amazon, and I, I have it ready. I, I watched the first episode. I liked it. This is They're going into the final year of that as well. And our caller, you know, the our caller, um, Jeff, he, he was right. One of the great things about a lot of these series that are out there is one of my big beefs is some some of them last too long. And, and I, I love The Sopranos. I think The Sopranos went on about two years too long because I think they started repeating topic they started repeating things and all and if you if you look some of the episodes from the end were pretty much the same episodes they did in the first two years but they kept going that's why i like justified for example that there was a beginning and middle and end same thing true with breaking bad and i suspect the same thing true with um, better call saul in any event that's it for pop culture corner for the week thanks to our new sponsor palermo's pizza congratulations to our winner more pop culture corner next week and when we come back we'll find out what john and melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.